Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we are just getting underway in a new preaching series through the book of Mark. In our second week, Pastor Jim Harris will open up chapter 1 and guide us all the way through verse 1. Well, there are a lot of questions that we need to be able to answer by the time we're through. What is significant about the Gospel of Mark? How does it differ from the other three Gospels? And what should we expect to learn as we journey through this book of the Bible? And since it's just one short verse, I'm going to read it to you. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Why spend one week on this one verse? Well, because it's important that we understand Mark's purpose in writing from the outset. And it's important that we can answer the question, what is the gospel? Well, here is today's slice of the message entitled, Why is Mark Remarkable? There are gaps in the story of Mark's life, but there is enough in the New Testament to show that through it all, his heart was right. Look what Paul writes about Mark 10, 12 years later, maybe, maybe even more than that. In his first Roman imprisonment, I mentioned it a minute ago, Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, where it mentions that Barnabas and Mark are cousins. Colossians 4.10. Colossians is written by Paul from jail in Rome. He says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas's cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. You see, that paroxysm was not exactly a hidden deal between Paul and Barnabas. And now Mark and Paul are back in the saddle together. And Mark is saying, I I told you about this guy. Hang on to him. Welcome him if he comes to you. And he's sending greetings. That means he's there with Paul, serving beside him while Paul is in prison. Now, what is it that happened that got Mark to serve alongside the Apostle Paul in Rome? We don't know. But we do know that years after deserting and bitterly disappointing Paul, Mark and Paul were reconciled. And again, the role of Mark isn't flashy. It's just faithful. He's just just there. He's Mark the Helper. Now look at what Paul wrote to Timothy during his second Roman imprisonment. He's still in prison in Rome the first time when the book of Acts ends. We can piece together from the other books of the New Testament that he was released. He traveled a little bit more and then he wound up in Rome again in prison. And this time he was executed. Chapter 4 of 2 Timothy is the last bit that we know from the pen of the Apostle Paul, and he mentions in 2 Timothy chapter, two, verse 11, or chapter 4, verse 11, only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Paul wanted Mark with him in the very last days of his life. 
My friends, there's probably nothing better that could ever be written about you than to have somebody who is serving the Lord say, Oh, you're useful to me for service. That's Mark. Now, it wasn't only Peter and Paul who regarded Mark as useful. How do we get the gospel of Mark? Well, I want to read you a couple more ancient quotes. Here's a quote from Papias, who was from the city of Heropolis, which is a twin city of Colossae. He wrote sometime between A.D. 95 and A.D. 40. In other words, he's very, very early in, in, the church, uh, in, in church history. Um, only a generation from the Apostle John. And Papias refers to the Apostle John by what became his nickname. Remember he was called the Elder? Well, he outlived all the other apostles by almost 30 years or around 30 years. He came to be called the Elder. Here's what Papias wrote. The elder used to say, Mark, having become the interpreter of Peter, wrote down accurately whatsoever he remembered. It was not, however, in exact order that he related the sayings or deeds of Christ, for he neither heard the Lord nor accompanied Him. Mark had not been there during the ministry of Jesus. But afterwards, as I said, he accompanied Peter who accommodated his instructions to the necessities of his hearers, but with no intention of giving a regular narrative of the Lord's saying. Wherefore, Mark made no mistake in thus writing some things as he remembered them. For of one thing he took special care, not to omit anything he had heard, and not to put anything fictitious into the statements. Now that tells you that the testimony of the early church is that Peter spent, uh, Mark spent so much time with Peter, he remembered all these things that Peter said about the ministry of Jesus. Other comments from other early church fathers give us a good picture of how then we came to have the Gospel of Mark. Obviously, Papias is referring to it, but a man named Justin Martyr who wrote between 100 and 165 A.D., very close to Papias, he calls Mark's gospel the memoirs of Peter. He said Mark composed it in Italy. Well, that would make sense if he went there to spend his days with Paul in Paul's final days on the earth. Several others say the same thing. Then we get to a 4th century historian named Eusebius of Caesarea. And he says, Mark wrote this basically by popular demand on the part of Peter's hearers. This is from Eusebius. A great light of religion shone on the minds of the hearers of Peter. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I mean, what we know of Peter, such a flamboyant guy, such a communicator, such a leader. He had a big impact on people. He says, so that... They were not satisfied with a single hearing or with the unwritten teachings of the divine proclamation, but with every kind of exhortation, they entreated Mark, whose gospel is still in existence, seeing that he was Peter's follower, to leave them a written statement of the teaching given them verbally. Nor did they cease until they had persuaded him, and so became the cause of the Scripture called the gospel according to Mark. 
And they say that the apostle, knowing by the revelation of the Spirit to him what had been done, was pleased at their zeal and ratified the Scripture for study in the churches. Just, just think about the, the nexus of all of these things. Jesus and, and Peter. Well, Peter knew about stumbling and fouling up and being set aside and then being restored. Maybe Peter played a role in restoring Mark and Paul. Even though Paul once had to confront Peter. All this is, is connected. And that's how we got Mark. Now, I titled this, Why is Mark Remarkable? And yeah, I meant it to be a pun because that's where I live. It's one of the few things my brain does well. Mark is remarkable for being an unremarkable man who incessantly served the Lord and joyfully was a helper to the likes of no less than the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. He listened carefully. He served tirelessly. He remembered well. And he rebounded strongly from the worst mistake he ever made. And God used him in his generation and for all ensuing ages. Now he wrote, so say the church fathers, from Rome. Mark's gospel was mainly written to Gentiles. There's a, there's a Gentile flavor to this gospel, and I'll show you some things as we work our way through it, but when you, when you read Matthew, Matthew is like an extended gospel tract to the Jews. He quotes the Hebrew Scripture. He uses uh, Jewish terminology. He mentions all of those different um, uh, categories of people among the Jews that I, that I taught you about uh, last week. Mark doesn't do that. Mark has to explain who those are. And by the way, um, Matthew was the first one written, and Mark was the second one written. The Gospels were written exactly in the order that they are in your Bible. You might hear a lot of people who say that, well, Mark was the first Gospel written. It was the shortest, and then the others, the others built on it. And that's a, a very good theory that has everything except one shred of fact behind it. It's contrary to all of the evidence. It's built upon a, a really bad theory and some anti-God presuppositions. But Mark wrote mainly to Gentiles. In other words, Mark's faithfulness is going to help you know Jesus better. It's the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. Now come with me next time when we launch into the ministry of John the Baptist. I'm going to try for a whole paragraph. John's the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for the faithful men and women who have gone before us. Thank You for Peter. Thank You for Paul. Thank You for John. Thank you for Mark and for guiding him to write this record of our glorious Lord. Teach us about Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.